In case you haven't noticed, it's Pentecost Sunday. As we were preparing our order of worship throughout the week, David Saturn made the comment in an email that by the end of the service, we'd all be walking out and talking in tongues. And putting aside the visions of small flames, tongues, and doves above the disciples' heads, Pentecost Sunday is a celebration of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity. In the history of Christianity, it also marks the beginning of the Christian church. The subject heading of Acts chapter 2, part of which Grace read this morning, is called the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit appeared in a very dramatic way. As Grace read, quote, When the day of Pentecost had come, they, meaning the disciples, were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided tongues as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. The final sentence Grace read reads, quote, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you see and hear. This description of the Holy Spirit is consistent with the Holy Spirit being breath and life, as well as the senses of sight and hearing. I've also read that the Holy Spirit makes the Word of God come alive, and through the Holy Spirit, we can feel the presence of God. In my short grief experience since my husband Frank's death on March 28th, exactly two months ago, when I literally watched the Spirit leave Frank's body as he passed away, I have experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I have sought the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I believe that I receive God's grace through the Holy Spirit, particularly now as I grieve Frank's death. On March 11, 2023, the same month and before Frank died, before we left for Israel, I attended an adult education class regarding grace right here in our church parlor. Our retired minister, David Young, together with my friend and our minister, Michael Moorhead, led the class. It was a wonderful class. I took notes and referred to the notes in preparation for today's sermon. Through the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit, I am convinced that I have received grace 
as a way to cope with and move through the deep loss, grief, loneliness, and sadness that I've been experiencing. I'd like to share some of the things I learned about grace that March Saturday morning. Through grace, God is saying to us, here is your life. I created it with all of its good and bad moments. Don't be afraid. I am with you. The world is better because of you. As we often hear, grace is unmerited. We don't have to earn it. God loves us totally and accepts us completely as we are without reservation. Grace is bigger than unfathomable love. The word grace is beyond definition. I would describe grace as ineffable, which means, quote, incapable of being expressed or described in words, end of quote. That is my experience with both grace and grief. There are not words sufficient to describe this weird new reality of grief that feels unreal, even though it is very real. I used to be Frank's wife. Now I am Frank's widow. I used to live with a partner. Now I live alone for the first time in my life. Likewise, it is hard to describe the grace I receive through the Holy Spirit as I walk through the grief process. I can't describe a tangible meaning of grace except that I know it is there and I know that I am blessed with it as I live a very meaningful life, even in my grief. While I can't define or describe grace, I can explain how I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And one of the best ways to describe it is to use Paul's words from Romans chapter 12, verse 12, that Jim read this morning. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. These words, together with other basic Bible teachings, are my guides and mantra for each day I am experiencing grief. I have reason to hope, to be patient, and to pray. The first Bible passage I use to experience the grace of grief is referenced in the Gospel of Mark as well as Galatians. According to Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31, Jesus taught us the two most important commandments. The first is, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What do these two commandments have to do with grief? It is because of my relationship with God and love of God 
that I can walk through this time of loneliness and grief. And by God, I mean the Holy Trinity. God is Father or Mother. God is Jesus Christ or the Son of God. And God is the Holy Spirit. As I said, I live alone now. It is a wonderful opportunity to pray whenever I want and however I want. There is no one else to talk to, so I can talk to God in my mind and heart, or I can talk to God out loud. I really concentrate on and practice worshiping God and persevering in prayer. Living alone is also an opportunity to develop an even better and stronger relationship with myself. As the second commandment says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We often focus on the loving our neighbor part, but we can't truly love our neighbor with no expectations involved if we don't love ourselves. As sad and lonely as I can feel at times, given that I have no choice, I am learning to enjoy being with myself and spending time to love and nurture my relationship with myself. And I don't cheat by distracting myself with, tele- myself with television or streaming or movies. My only distraction at times is music, which evokes feelings of sadness, longing, joy, memories, and happiness. By practicing love of God and love of self in a healthy, positive way, I can persevere in prayer and rejoice in hope the hope that the pain of grief will lessen over time. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Be patient in suffering. That is so hard. I want to fix my suffering, and your suffering, and anyone's suffering that I can. Yet look at what Jesus suffered, and even God suffered at the torture and death of his son, Jesus Christ. I need to be humbled and reminded that I can endure the pain of grief and that there is hope, too. The second Bible passage I use to experience the grace of grief is contained in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. One of the ways to be patient in suffering is to live in and focus on this one day, this one moment, and not be overwhelmed by how long grief will last or what to do with the rest of my life or even tomorrow. If I live today to its fullest, I can not only grieve, but experience joy, happiness, and love each day. Frederick Buechner, one of my favorite theologians who died this past year, wrote in a passage called, Be Alive. Quote, And today, now everything will pass because it is the last day. 
for the last time you are hearing this house come alive because you, who are part of its life, have come alive. All the unkept promises, if they are ever to be kept, have to be kept today. All the unspoken words, if you do not speak them today, will never be spoken. The people, the ones you love and the ones who bore you to death, all the life you have in you to live with them, if you do not live it with them today, will never be lived. It is the first day because it has never been before, and the last day because it will never be again. Be alive if you can all through this day today of your life. Follow your feet. Live in the needs of the day. I'd like to give an example of how focusing on living in today has been a way for me to walk through grief and be patient in suffering. Earlier this month, my niece, Anna Maria, graduated from USC. It was a wonderful occasion that my daughter Mari and I attended together. In the midst of joy, I was also sad because Frank always, no matter what, joined me in family celebrations, holidays, and events. I missed him and felt low. After the graduation ceremony, I knew that I wasn't up for one of those alone, be with myself, nurture a relationship with God and myself evenings. So I went over to my sister Molly's and brother-in-law Joe's home, Anna Maria's mom and dad, and where both of my nephews, John and Jason, were. Everyone was kind of doing their own thing. And in the course of the evening, each of my nephews took the time and effort to be with me one-on-one. They sought me out and spent time with me. John and I talked about movies and musicals and songs. Jason and I talked about his upcoming presentation to his Amgen team, and he showed me his draft slideshow. I was graced with their presence. It was such a special way to be alive and present. It may sound ordinary and uneventful, but it was very meaningful to me because I noticed it and concentrated on the time I spent with each of them and they spent with me and the love they showed me by being with me and sharing themselves with me. Also, I have focused on each day, one day at a time, many of the moments As I focused on them, many of the moments are blessedly more vivid. The yellow mustard, the green hills, the changing colors of the ocean water, the spring flowers, and even the May gray, which has become all the more real as the drizzly mornings are upon us. I am grateful to be fully alive and appreciate the people, the Holy Spirit, and nature reminding me of life in the midst of my grief over death. The third Bible passage I use to experience the grace of grief is also contained in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Beatitudes at Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Madeline Langell wrote a foreword to C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed, his memoir of his wife's death, in which she made the following observations. The death of a spouse after a long and fulfilling marriage is quite a different thing. Perhaps I have never felt more closely the strength of God's presence than I did after my husband's death. It did not wipe away the grief. Each experience of grief is unique. The true consolations of religion are not rosy and cozy, but comforting in the true meaning of that word. Come forth with strength. Strength to go on living and to trust that wherever anyone we love who has died needs is being taken care of by that love which began it all. End of quote. And so goes my experience with grief. Michael has told me several times over the last two months, don't let anyone tell you how to grieve. Grief is a very personal experience. You do what is best for you in grief. There is no set way to grieve. When Frank passed away, I was teary-eyed, but I did not cry. In fact, it took me almost three weeks to cry. Perhaps I was afraid that if I cried, it would rob my adult children of their tears and grief. I wondered if there was something wrong with me in the way I was or wasn't mourning Frank's death. So I felt reassured through Michael's counsel. I've since learned that tears come when they come. The evening before Frank's memorial service, I saw my lifelong friend since seventh grade named Mari, after whom our daughter Mari was named. As soon as I saw Mari, my friend, I burst into tears. I sobbed in a way that was unrecognizable to me. I had never heard myself cry like that, and the same thing happened the next day as I walked down the aisle of this church when I saw friends from my law firm and Frank's college friends and David and Michael and my cousin's wife. I became worried that David and Michael would think I wasn't up to giving Frank's eulogy. I told them, I will be okay. And they comforted me with such assurance saying, we know that you will be okay. I was so assured that I knew I would be okay. Many of you here today have been my comforters. You have comforted me in your own ways. Through food, flowers, cards, hugs, text messages, and emails. I am so grateful to so many of you. I am blessed to have mourned, and to continue to mourn. Yes, I am alone, but I can reach out to any one of you widows and single women and even married women and be comforted. And many of you wonderful men have been my comforters too. I am indeed blessed by grace and by you as my church friends 
as well as my beloved daughter, Mari, son-in-law, Kevin, and my son, Vincent, and many extended family members. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. So how do we access the hope Paul speaks of? Last week, I was preparing this sermon in my head as I walked along the Redondo Beach beach path, and I was inspired, inspired in spirit by a new realization. One of the graces of grief for me is that I have grown in compassion and empathy. Through the experience of grief, I can be more empathetic and compassionate in the service of others. I am filled with hope for myself and others when I am involved in service. With this new grief experience, I am graced with empathy and renewed compassion for others who experience loss, whether it be divorce, separation, or death. In a few minutes, we will read together the affirmation of faith, which begins by the greeting of God as eternal spirit and includes the following sentence. You call us into your church to accept the cost and joy of discipleship, to be your servants in the service of others. Many of you have served me during this early grief time, and I can learn through your hope and your service, how to serve others. Thank you. I want to end today's reflection by repeating Paul's words in Romans that Jim read. I first heard this scriptural passage here at the Neighborhood Church in the fall of 2003 at a point of despair in my life. It has new meaning to me today. I am no longer living with despair despite the grief I am experiencing. I am inspired and taken in by Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, which speak of grace, hope, love, and the Holy Spirit. Quote, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so be it. Amen.